Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we have a lot of news to get into. We've got a TDN Fantasy League that we're going to promote. We're going to start promoting that to you guys. So if you're a premium member, we're going to start telling you guys a little bit more about that league that's going to be happening. Look out for this upcoming Fantasy Friday where you're going to get more details on that. If you haven't been checking out Fantasy Friday, you've missed out. So hopefully you are participating and showing up on Fridays because we have taken what is TDN Fan, what is the Draft Network Mock Draft Monday and we've turned Friday into the fantasy day. So it's been it's been fun to watch the first couple of weeks and that'll continue as we as we go throughout the season here guys. But I want to kick things off here with some headlines, some news that has happened since we were last on. So first is and I don't want to spend a ton of time on opt-outs cuz I think everyone's uh trying to put the blinders on, right? As all this news continues to come out, but there is one that impacts fantasy in that it's an offensive lineman, right? And I think people forget sometimes we've talked about on this show, if you've been a listener for a long time about how much the Rams offensive line chemistry impacted what that offense was able to do. And that impacts fantasy because that was a different Jared Goff, a different Cooper cup, a different Todd Gurley, all that stuff changes. So Juwan James opted out, uh, plays right guard for the, for the Denver Broncos, and he's opting out. And you've got, you've got a rookie, uh, you know, a quarterback coming back, second year in Drew Locke. And they had some problems last year. They were the most penalized offensive line last year. So they had problems already, and now they got one of their starters out. Jake, I want you to disc- you, I want you to tell the listeners why this matters for fantasy, because I think everyone assumes, like, oh, that's an offensive lineman. It doesn't really impact fantasy, but it does because things like this have a, have a trickle-down effect. I'm going to break it down for you. Simple, speed, the speed of the game. You have a, a second-year quarterback that's not experienced. You have two rookie receivers that are coming in with a lot of hype and a lot of stock, but they don't have any chemistry with this quarterback because they had no offseason when they normally would have had you know, 1,500 reps by now. You take away a really solid player like Jawan James, and that, now you got a swing guard coming in and a starting guard. Now, if the quarterback's got to speed his process up just a little bit, that receiver goes a quarter of a yard too far, the timing's jacked up. The play is off. It's a pick. It's an incompletion. The, you know, the quarterback's accuracy is going to come down a little bit. Not, not but one player is going to make that big of a difference, but it can. And the biggest thing to me is it's a bridged offseason where they don't have all these reps. And they're going to count a lot on these rookie receivers. Make, to me, it really goes they're going to go back to just trying to run the crap out of it. Vic, Vic is going to go, no, man, we're going to play defense. We're going to run it. We'll play action to these young guys. We can buy Drew Locke a little more time. But to me, it's simple, man. It, it messes up the timing. And I think they were going to struggle early in the year anyway until they really kind of get clicked. I think they'll finish pretty strong in the second half. But uh, this hurts. 
There's, I mean, good offensive linemen are so hard to come by. Yeah. And when you're counting on one, and we look, we're all for these guys. Take care of your family, man. It's crazy time. Absolutely. So like when you're counting Absolutely. on one and, he, and he's out. It's not like he's pulled a hamstring. He's out four weeks. Like he's out. You got to move on. It, it's just hard. I mean, it's, it's so hard to miss a piece like that. I think the, it's good to, to put the clause out here. We have to discuss this strictly from a football perspective because everyone has their own choice. This is why they have that ability. But when we're looking at this, we're just evaluating, what is this going to do for the Broncos? I, I, as, as we do with every other thing that's related to players, go get your money, do your thing, take care of your family, take care of yourself. That's on you. But when we're talking about this, this is strictly how will this impact the Denver Broncos? And Jamie, obviously Jake gave some good insight there, but when you look at this, does this impact how you're going to rate Drew Locke, especially if let's say another offensive lineman goes down? Because if now all of a sudden you get one injury and you're two of the, of your guys are, are off this line. Yeah, offensive line was already going to be a question mark for Denver going into the season anyway. It was one of the few weak points that they still have on this roster after a really strong offseason, both draft-wise and free agency-wise. But look, Garrett Bowles really struggled last year at left tackle. He was a question mark anyway. Uh, I think there's a decent chance, and we'll see what happens with the abridged offseason, that you're starting a rookie at center in Cushenberry. Um, you know, now you're going to have a a guy that you took off of either the Jets practice squad and, and Calvin Anderson or whatever else, that right tackle – you know, you brought in Glasgow to come in a little bit. You have Dalton Reisner still as your two guards. But it, to me, this is a concern. Um, and and it, it, it gives me a little bit of pause because we've all been, and myself included, and I think even me going back to last year, have been kind of like pounding the table for like Denver's a more talented team than they're being given credit for. It feels like now they're getting credit for after they brought in Melvin Gordon, after getting Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler in the draft, and pretty much after Drew Locke had a really strong final five weeks of the season. But I'm concerned because there's going to be an adjustment. You now have five games uh, – defensive coordinators now have five games of film on Drew Locke, and they were going to adjust him early in the season. And we talk about this punch-counterpunch, whether it's between coordinators, whether it's between young players and defensive coordinators a lot. Well, now, Drew Locke, when he's trying to make this counterpunch, he's doing it without his right tackle, and it's going to hurt him a little bit. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this was going. From a fantasy perspective, I haven't been – high on really any of the Broncos aside from maybe Melvin Gordon um, for this reason. I, I think people have to, and I brought this up a couple episodes back, have to understand the context of what happened in those five games and actually go back and look and watch what happened. I think the, the record of the team and the way that the overall team looks better has clouded people's judgment of how individual players performed in those scenarios. I would challenge you to go back and look at Cortland Sutton's stats and, and his film from those five games. I, challenge you to go back and look at Noah Fant's stats and film from those games before we start anointing them the elite fantasy players at their position. That's all I'm saying there. And this, this only hurts it slightly more, but it should underscore a point we've been meant, or at least I've been mentioning on the show before of not everybody in this offense can eat. This offense is built to be a, and we all three of us talked about it. This is a run heavy pound it down your throat type of football. That's what they want to play. They want to run and play defense, which should not surprise you given the people that they have on that coaching staff and the personnel that they have on that offense. That's what they want to do. So Drew Locke taking a big step forward in year two is now a little bit more challenging than it would have been before. And it's going to be a lot more challenging because of the way this offseason went. It, I, would, I would say just overall temper expectations for Drew Locke. I think that is the big overarching point here because there's, it's not like he's a rookie but there's a lot working against him for a guy that's got five NFL starts under his belt and was supposed to come in, get a full camp as the starter. He's the guy now and all this other things. 
COVID-19 has prevented that. And now he's losing pieces on the offensive line. Just temper your expectations because it might be, as Jake said, a rocky start for this Broncos team. Don't give up hope yet and have reasonable expectations for where you think this team could go given the current climate. Paige, you hit the nail on the head, though. They have one injury. They're already weak on the edge. And look who they're playing. You play the Chargers twice. You're playing Frank Clark and the Chiefs. You're playing some passer. You're playing the Bucks. You're playing the Saints. Uh, they have a tough schedule. They got a tough schedule. But if you have one more injury, and now you're a little bit weaker up the middle than you were going to be, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be harder to run the ball, and the timing is going to be, going to be, I think, messed up uh, passing-wise early in the season. And that's why I wanted to bring that up, guys, because I look at this and I go, how, how often do we get all the offensive linemen making it through a season? It, it just it, it, it doesn't happen that often. And that chemistry is very, very hard to develop. And on top of that, you're obviously having uh, a guy that's already opting out. So now you're, now you're banking on, man, we, we can't afford an injury, right? And that's, that's not a great thing, especially with this abridged offseason that we've talked about at nauseum. But it, it will play a factor. It's going to the, play a factor. The entire right side of the offensive line is new. Center, guard, tackle, all new. And the left struggle and the left tackle struggled last year. So yeah. So it just uh, it's something it's something to watch. Again, this yeah. is why we talk about the stuff on the show because if they're not the sexy positions, you're not going to hear everybody talk about them. But this is why it's important. It is something to keep an eye. We're not saying the Broncos are doomed or everybody's going to suck. We're not saying that. We're just saying there are now major warts at a key area of this team that needs to be addressed. And they were question marks go already that now there's even more question marks about Juwan James. Yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to bring it up today. Obviously the deadline coming up to opt out on Thursday. So between now and when we record on Thursday, it, it will be kind of the last opportunities for the, these players to opt out and, and if there's more to discuss, we'll discuss it on Thursday, especially if it's related to any fantasy conditions and how we totally evaluate these teams. The second thing in news, guys, that I wanted to get into is, is an interesting plan that Sean Payton has. And I, I, the, I read this article. It's on NFL.com. So if you guys want to go read it, it, it's there. And it's about sequestering ahead of week one. And the, the thing, the part of this that makes sense to me is that the NFL has this opportunity in front of them where all of the other leagues, all of the other major leagues, and even the Premier League and Bundesliga, you've got, you've golf, you've got multiple leagues, multiple sports across the world, all navigating COVID-19, right? And each one has taken a different version or a different way to, to, to try and combat and keep their athletes safe. And so the NFL has the, has the luxury of not starting until September. So they can sit back for this whole month and watch all the other professional sports leagues play and learn from it. And I think that's where this plan came from. And that is that the, the New Orleans Saints have, have gotten, they've contracted four floors of space at the Lowe's Hotel to put 100 employees that they consider tier one and tier two and it's 80 players, right, to offer a safe environment to spend the two weeks or more, they're going to have it a month ahead of time, up to week one of the start of the season. Now, it's not, it's not going to be required. It's not like they're going to make their athletes do this, but it's giving players who want the option, right, an opportunity to stay somewhere where there's not distractions or there's not other people there or whatever to dial in ahead of the season and I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this because while I don't know what the amount of players, if any, are going to do this, 
I do think it is a good option that they are exploring other ways to try and keep the athletes safe heading into the season, Jade. I don't know that it matters unless everybody's going to do it. I don't know that it matters. People have families. You're already in training camp. You're away from your families. You're away from your kids a ton to add a couple extra weeks to that. I don't know that if a couple guys take advantage and a couple guys don't, that they don't still have the exact same risk that they have other than that. Uh, I can see some rookies taking advantage of having two weeks of like a free hotel before they got to go get an apartment if they make the team. Um, but, but I'm not sure that it mattered. I mean, I love the fact that they did the option. I love, you guys know, I love Sean. I mean, he's awesome. So he's doing everything he can. And they have a veteran team, but every team is going to have some young guys that do something stupid. And if they're not going to take advantage of it in a place like new Orleans, then I, then they're still bringing everybody back at risk. So I, you know, it's a good gesture, but I just don't know how much it's actually going to matter. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am here too. Like I, it's nice to have, and, and hopefully players take advantage of it if, if it fits their needs, but the reality is, and, and we're kind of learning this a lot from baseball because, you know, the NHL and NBA and, and are in a different sphere. I mean, the bubbles that they're in, the rules that they have to get into, the NHL particularly being in very a, a lower risk area of the world right now in Canada uh, for it changes the dynamics. Baseball is really the one where they're playing in their home ballparks. They're traveling between, you know, cities and states. What we are seeing is – and, and – don't take this the wrong way because I think this is, this has gotten changed in different ways, but there's a point where if you are choosing to play, which is your right to choose here, you begin, you're given this option. There has to be a level of responsibility on the players to say, look, I am not going to put myself and subsequently my teammates in a bad position here. You know, I'm not, I mean, because we're hearing reports, some confirmed stuff, not what happened with like the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins of their issues weren't, Oh, they went home and a family member got one and they sick and they got sick and then went, no, their issues were, they were going to casinos. They were going here. They were going, they were not adhering to the rules of where they needed to be at the time. If that happens in, in a locker room, it's going to spread. We have seen how quickly it is spreading along locker rooms in Miami and in St. Louis. And we see it all the time. It's spreading a little bit quicker than the flu spreads, but we've seen, and we brought it up before, how often a flu can sweep through a locker room. You're in close proximity. You're hitting each other. You're in the shower. I mean, you're, it just, it's, it's almost unavoidable. It's going to be about responsibility. And, and because you can't mandate everybody being in this hotel, you know, you could have half your team be in the hotel, but if the other half of the team isn't paying attention and you have three, four, five guys that are just going out and not paying attention, particularly in high volume places, if you're, you know, if you're a Florida team, or if, you're the, or if you're the Raiders, or if you're the Cardinals. I mean, you know, those are all, or if you're the LA teams, those are four big hotspots right now. You know, Los Angeles County and, and Maricopa County, Orange. I mean, those are the big hotspots right now. If you're not taking your own personal responsibility, it doesn't really matter if half the team is. How um, much so, dumb shit can we see 23-year-olds do? It's yeah. Just been, it, it's easier in college when you can keep a thumb on them. I mean, like you're going to have a bed check tonight before the game in the NFL, but that's about it. You're talking yeah. about professionals that have money for the first time. And really, it's more like the teams – well, I think the Saints have a, a leg up on a lot of teams. Veteran leadership in the locker room. Yeah. The one thing as a rookie, it's one thing for your coach to call you out. It's another for Levante David or Demario Davis to snatch you up in the locker room and be like, yo, I'm winning a ring, and if you're going to mess it up, you're answering to me. That's a different level of, like, leadership yeah. in the locker room. That stuff matters. But you're still talking about how much dumb shit do they do every year, whether it's COVID or not, that – could cost the team cost themselves it's gonna happen it's just a matter of who keeps it on you know the, the smallest version of that 
And I think we've, we've talked about this off the podcast a lot, but I think this is a good opportunity and Jake, you're alluding to it is where discipline, right. Is going to matter. And having leadership on both sides of the football is going to really matter. And the best example I can use, and it's not being a homer for the team. It's just the facts. You've got Tom Brady on the offense who are, who is the most disciplined player in the league period. End of sentence. The man is more disciplined than 99.9% of the world's population with his diet and what he does for himself and all of that. And if you think that he isn't going to walk into the locker room and demand that level of expectation for everybody else slash just by living it and everybody else kind of watches it, right? Because everybody's talked about it's different in new England. It's different there. There's a different level of expectation. Guess what? A lot of that was Tom. A lot of that was what he brought to the table, what he expected, what he demanded in practice day in and day out. And on the flip side, on the defense, you've got guys like the Dominican Sue and Levante David and all these guys. You've got Jason lots Pierre of Paul, guys that will get in your face that are already great leaders. They're going to take that to another level now. It's a, that's it's a great, it's a great it's, example. It's, it's a way to look at it. And, and in New Orleans, Whereas the, got, the Saints example is Drew Brees and, Drew Brees. and Sam Jordan and, and those I, the Davis. I like, mean, You've got great lead. That's going to matter though. If you've got a younger quarterback who doesn't hold himself to a higher standard, that's going to be tough because I've, I've looked and I said, okay, what's the difference to me of Watson and Mahomes? Look at what a Watson has done traditionally in his off season and what he's been poking around. He's allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. I'm just saying strictly from a leadership perspective, who Mahomes is as a leader at his age, versus Watson. And that matters. It just does. And so that's where I'm going, okay, if you're a 25-year-old quarterback and you're out partying, how can you turn around and, and tell anybody, Dak the thing and with this is, though, it doesn't have to be party partying. Like, it, but it doesn't have to be that. If you're going to the hotel, but you're going to go home and see your family and you stop to get a Gatorade at a gas station, you just brought in a risk. Yeah. And then you're going to go back to the hotel. Like, you're not going to go for two weeks and stay there for two weeks. Nobody's doing that. So I, I don't know that I don't know that it matters that much. Yeah, it, it probably doesn't. It will be interesting to see if the veterans on the team decide that it's mandatory, right? Decide that if Drew Brees decides, no, the offense, this is what we're doing for a week ahead of ahead of week one, just to ensure everything. And he's a family man. We know he's got his kids and his wife, and I'm sure he would rather That's a be good at point. home. I mean, if you're getting like player leadership saying, no, this isn't optional, guys. We're, we're doing no, this. No, we're doing this. We, yeah, from seven days out, we're doing this, and that way we're all going to be there for week one. It's a big divisional game at home. Yeah, well, then, then maybe it'll matter, but. To me, it's and this is how I've this is how I've handled this from a personal standpoint as well during this pandemic. It's always about playing the percentages. Yes, you've got to give yourself the best opportunity. Wear your mask if you have to go out. Get your groceries delivered. You know, if you want to have a get together teammates, you can get your liquor delivered. Everybody does it now. They've 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 uh, they've yeah. changed the law so you can do this. Just play the percentages best you can. Go out away from where you you know away from your home or away from the team facility as few times as possible. Wear your mask. And again, it's not a hundred percent guarantee, but play the percentages. But if you're going out to, you know, magic city for chicken wings and air quotes, you're not playing the percentages at that point. You're, you're putting yourself in a bad situation. If, if you're going, if you're, let's say you're in Florida or California, if you're just going to hang out on the beach all weekend without your mask, even with your mask, that's not playing the percentages. It's not saying you have to sit in your room with a locked door, and not move for the entire NFL season, but just be smart. 
Just be smart if, about it and give yourself the best opportunity for yourself too. And your, I mean, yeah. this is not just about family. You don't want to get sick. You don't want your family to get sick. You don't want your friends on the team to get sick. You don't want your coaches to get sick. We're not talking about some of this part, but the coaches are at a way higher risk of having major issues than any of the players are. I mean, all of these things are factors. This is, this is about, I mean, talk about ultimate team game. Combating this is the ultimate team game of life right now. Just give yourself the best chance to not put yourself in those situations. That's all you can do. If I, if I was a player and after all these negotiations, right, and all this back and forth about whether or not it's safe enough to even play, and then I find out that my teammate goes to a casino, I'm losing my damn mind. That is so disrespectful to every single person in that locker room. I cannot even imagine if I was a St. Louis Cardinal player right now. I can I, I truly, and I know I hate that team because I'm a Cubs fan, but it it is that is so beyond stupid and disrespectful to every person and all the people in Major League Baseball that had to figure out all of these things to get you in a place where you could even play your baseball season. And then you go out and do some stupid shit like that. It's like, what are you doing? I get it. Trust me. Do you think I want to be stuck in my house all year? Like, don't you think all of us would like to be going on vacations and doing things and whatever? Like this isn't, this isn't something that everybody's like overjoyed about. This is back to what I was told as a rookie playing the NFL is a privilege, not a right understand that you're making a lot of money to play a game. And there's one piece of news that I do want to touch on is freaking Odell Beckham Jr. Making it all about the back of his Jersey instead of the front of his Jersey. Again, talking about the NFL is not ready to play. We shouldn't be playing blaming the owners and opt out. You got that right. Not everybody can wear a $300,000 watch because they got a sponsorship deal, dude. All the 90% of the guys in your union want to play football. It ain't always the owners. You can't always blame everybody and you're making it about you. Just opt out. You don't have to give the interview. No, you, nobody needs to know that the NFL isn't ready. That's your opinion. If you don't like it and you think there's a risk, then opt out. That's a perfect example of making it about the back of your jersey, not about the shield and the team that you play for. Period. He's, he's – listen, you've been given the option, which has never been done before, to take this season off, to be paid, okay, not your full contract, but to be paid to sit at home. And not with your contract rolls in the next year. Exactly. And you get everything that you have earned and whatever, but Odell respectfully, you have a lens that 90% of the league does not have because you have made generational money and the guys who have a three year window. And you didn't opt out. So shut up. That's exactly right. You want to opt out and say that stuff. I got no problem with it. But if you're going to play, you cannot throw the shield under the bus and blame the owners. Like it's just them. I last time I checked, it was a negotiation. Between Listen. your representatives, by the way, the dude on his team is the first. He's on his team. The players I was going to say. But listen, if you, I'm a, I'm a proponent of this in every situation. If you have a problem and you want to do something about it, why don't you go step up to the plate and start being a part of more of the union and being a part of the decisions and being a part of these discussions? Because I know that's not happening. So if you really want to make things different and you want to change things, you think the league's not doing everything that they should do, why don't you participate more in doing that? Because spending the offseason bitching about it isn't doing anything. I can tell you that. Yeah, and then, and that's uh, I'm with Jake on this one. If, if he opted out and said that, no issues at all. If that's no, how yeah. you feel and that's you're putting your money where your mouth is and saying, look, I'm not comfortable with this, I, I 100% support. But, uh, you know, it's one of those ones where – 
I don't like people in life playing, trying to play both sides of the same argument. And I think that's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, so it, again, if he chooses to opt out now and, and has those same feelings, I 120% support him in that decision. But look, there's the reality of the situation and there, there's no way around it. And everybody knows it. And it's part of what it is. This is the NFL is a business. It is a business for the owners. It is a business for the front office. It's a business for the coaches and it's a business for the players. And at some point, you have to make a decision based on business decisions, based on what you want to do, based on your, and look, there are some players that are, are going to play the season that probably don't want to because they don't have the financial gains that Odo Beckham Jr. has. And they realize that if they sit out, that they might not ever get a chance to come back again. And some players are doing that and are still making that choice and are risking that for the health of themselves and their families. And we have to respect that. But this is just one of those ones where I, I just don't like when you're trying to play both sides of the same thing. Uh, if you By are that way, concerned, look at what he said. Yeah. If there's no NFL, you ain't getting paid again because it ain't coming yeah. back. No. You can't lose $15 billion and have yeah. a sustainable business next year. They got to play. This Period. Thing. Like one way or another. So if you're going to take the money, then shut up. It's, like, or say just, something else that makes sense. Cause oh, yeah, or push, or push for the change or push for here. Here are the things that here are the steps A, B, C, D, E that they yeah, that I, need I, to I, be This done. is what I would like to see that. Yeah. Just yeah. haven't. Just not this. It was just, it was stupid. And it was about him again, not about the team or the league that he plays for. It's, he thinks he's bigger than that. He always has. And apparently that hasn't changed in this off season where he was being quiet. And then all of a sudden I'm tired of being humble. like him. Yeah. He, uh, same, same dude, different team, same dude. I don't think it's just not, you, you're not going to change this. So I hope, I hope that Brown's team for the sake of their team and their overall trajectory, just, kind of keep it quiet let him do his thing but everybody else just kind of keep it down low because this is already a strange off season you got new all you got new head coach new things to learn just just go to work man just focus do your thing and hopefully baker mayfield has a little has a little chat with obj going into the season all right guys the last piece of news here before we get into bold predictions and adp is two signings that happened uh since we last recorded and that is jordan reed signing with the san francisco 49ers and then LaShawn McCoy uh, signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So not interested too much. I don't think either one of these is going to move the needle, you know, huge in the fantasy space, but just your overall thoughts quickly on if there is any fantasy value for either of these guys at any point this season, really, Jamie, I'll let you go first. Yeah. With, uh, with McCoy, uh... It's it, it's intriguing to me, but I don't think it's going to be so much that McCoy has fantasy value, which we're talking about. How does it affect Ronald Jones and, and Keyshawn Vaughn? I've been a lo little lower on Vaughn for fantasy purposes than than most, and I think that's now between him being on the on the COVID list uh, for whatever reason that we don't necessarily you know you could just be in contact doesn't necessarily mean you have it, uh, which is a distinction people need to understand when they do see these reports about guys on the on the restricted slash COVID list that that doesn't mean that they they've contracted or even are asymptomatic. It just means that they might have been around somebody recently who had had it. So. Uh, but to me, again, we've talked about the issues that are going to be with any rookie trying to come in this year with the abridged offseason. The fact that Ronald Jones is going to be the starter and is going to be given every single chance to succeed in this offense. And I think he will have a, I think he will have a pretty successful season. But to me, this just really pushes down Vaughn's value back to probably where it should be as more of a guy you take as a flyer, you know, around running back 40. Uh, maybe it's more of a, not necessarily a handcuff per se, but just more of a flyer option if something were to happen to Ronald Jones. The interesting, interesting thing to me is it probably hurts the um, my Dario Gumbawale deep sleeper campaign 
uh, because he, LaShawn McCoy is the guy that can play on third downs, can pass block, can be that check down option. And they really only had Agumba Wale for that role. I know they have, you know, Logan was there and Clay was there, but like Agumba Wale was way more experienced in that situation than anybody else on the Bucks roster. Now he's got a little bit of competition for that spot. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you're talking about Tom Brady's pass catching running back. Now, I think Ronald Jones would be more involved in the pass game than he was last year. And I expect him to be a little bit more of a three down guy because they don't really want to give away what they're doing. Tom's still going to be in the shotgun with somebody. And right now it adds a ton of depth to the backfield having LaShawn McCoy. So I don't think you're going to draft him after week one. I think it's like a sit and watch kind of thing, but see how much he's out there and go, okay, maybe I'll pick him up and sit him because this could be interesting. If Ronald Jones has an injury, I think he becomes extremely fantasy relevant. And with, with Jordan Reed, it's a, I, I was laughing in the pre-show stuff. I mean, you almost get a stutter if, 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 if he's healthy. And if yeah. George Kittle's healthy, I don't know how much he's on the field. It's a good addition for a really experienced pass-catching guy that can get open. But, I, you know, he, God bless him. I don't know why he's still playing. But if you breathe on him from across the room, he might get a concussion. Like, it's, oh, it's, no. he's had a bad history of it. I, I, pers- I don't know him, but I personally wish he wouldn't. I mean, you're just bringing a lot of risk in, but I don't think he has any value at all unless Kittle's hurt and you know that he's extremely healthy. Yeah, I agree there. Unless Kittle's hurt, it could be an interesting piece for San Francisco uh, as a guy they can, they can rotate in and out a little bit. They can use in the red zone as needed, uh, especially if they don't have to line them up in line. Uh, it becomes really interesting because they have a lot of pieces right now, particularly early in the season. But, you know, without Debo Samuel, you know, who's going to be, you know, you've got Ayuk, you've got, you know, it, does Dante Pettis bounce back? You know, Richie James is now hurt. I mean, you have just so many pieces you know, point, flying Jamie. around there. It's a good point. Uh, I know. mean, to have a veteran guy that if he is healthy, that you could move around. Because he's not an inline blocker. You're not putting him on line of no. scrimmage. You're not really running a two tight end set. But there'd be two tight ends out there. But that could be interesting because a guy can get open. He's going to catch everything. So, I, yeah. you know, in spots, maybe. I, but I still, from a fantasy point, I, you're yeah. you don't want to guard at the wall and with your eyes closed. Yeah, no, it's it's too hard. And the if George Kittle gets hurt, that dude plays through everything. That dude had like a full grade three ankle sprain in that game against the Packers and was carrying dudes through on his way to the end zone. I mean, the guy's like one of the toughest dudes in the NFL. So it's not that's not exactly a a prediction that we can look at and go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But Listen, they know each other, obviously, with Shanahan being there with with, uh, Jordan Reed. And Jordan Reed's super talented. He just can't ever – the guy has had horrible injury history. Um, So, probably good – He's getting up there in age. But anytime you have chemistry with a coach – and it's just like McCoy, you're adding depth to a position that you're already pretty good at if you're you're healthy and you're okay. And especially – offense. Yeah, Yeah. and especially in this season, right? Especially in this season, you've got Kittle, forgot – you know knock on wood, doesn't have any issues, but has to spend a week on the COVID list. And you've got Jordan Reed that can step in and be a guy who's playing cheap and he's a veteran and, and knows the offense. So I think it's those, those situations or are going to make more sense here because there's an added layer that we, that we already don't have um, that's not injury related, but it's different because you're going to have to sit out a week. And again, Kyle Shanahan loves to scheme up. I mean, every coach does. So I know, I know what I'm saying is, but it's like, duh. But him in particular loves to scheme up mismatches. And when you get inside the 20, when you get in the green zone there, Jordan Reed against a nickel corner or safety is a mismatch for you. So now you have, you might have like Jalen Hurd running in the backfield. You're going east-west in the backfield. You have Brandon Ayuk on the outside. You have George Kittle you are accounting for. Now you have Jordan Reed on, on either a smaller slot corner or a safety. By the way, I have a running back that runs sub four three coming out of the back. So that, that, 
that, that's a lot of mismatches on the field and a lot of movement all happening at the same time. Like it, it, again, it gives them another element. I think this is a better, if he is healthy, this is a better football move than it is a fantasy move. Like I don't think there's going to be any fantasy relevance. Unless to your Kittle's point, I can out. see it having fantasy relevance taken away from Kittle. Yeah. I mean, if he's scheming maybe, maybe up a touchdown because yeah. Kyle wants to win, he don't give a damn about Kittle's fantasy value. Yeah. Kittle's going to take double coverage. And now you got a mismatch with Jordan Reed in the red zone. I can make that argument. It's, it's some more, some more definitely going to have to pay attention to if we get, if we get week one and week two, and all of a sudden we're, we're seeing a little bit more of uh, the ball going his way in the end zone, or at least the targets, even if it's just taking away 10% of George Kittle's overall, you know, 5%, it's, it's, we put him in this category where you're chalking him up. Okay. He's going to get this, you know, he's, he's top two, he's number two. We, we, well, now all of a sudden, if, if it now it's big, if, but, it could happen. So I think we'll, we'll evaluate that. Anyway. Yeah. Of course. He's got a ways to go to get down to where I have of course. Zach Ertz a little bit. Cause Zach Ertz is his own. I mean, again, we'll see if any, any Eagles wide receivers stay healthy, but I think he has a little bit of wiggle room there between Kelsey and Ertz there in that number two spot. But it, it is interesting to watch. More so where you're going to have to probably draft him, right. As far yeah. as tight ends and who might be, who might be available at that position. You might second guess yourself as you're, as you're having to take him in the second or, or third round. All right, guys, this show is about bold predictions and value. So we're going to kick things off with bold predictions. And for the listeners, the guys each have three bold predictions. I think Jamie has a bonus one. So good for you guys. You get an extra one. Um, I want you guys to each give. We'll go back and forth, back and forth. One from Jamie, one from Jake. So, Jamie, I'll let you go first. Uh, Bold prediction. All right, so I'll come out swinging here. Ooh, okay. Uh, Nick Chubb leads the NFL in rushing. And still doesn't finish as a PPR RB one. Yeah, was a wow. Yeah, that's that my be, bold prediction. That'll okay. be interesting to talk about here in a minute. Um, I can see that happening. I don't know how yeah. much is going to be involved in the passing game. I'm going to start slower and build my way up. The Rams <laughs> finish under 500. Okay, I like that one. I it's not I, that bold, but it's it's out there. They still got a lot of hype. It's, it's bold enough. I was anti the Rams last year. That was my shot that I called uh, last year. If you guys recall, I was all in on the Seahawks yeah. and they were, they were man, half a, that half a yard away from making me be really, really right. But they did end up in the postseason, and the Rams were on the outskirts. So I'm, I'm all in on that one, Jake. And I love Actually, Jamie. I'll, I'll, I'll add to I love it. Jamie's they too. finished okay. under 500 and they finished last in the division. Woo. Okay. Now we're talking. Now that's that's a little bit more bold, but to be fair, we've got K1 and and DeAndre Hopkins and those they played hard in the division last year. The Cardinals played hard against everybody last year, so they take a step forward this year. Could be really really interesting yeah. to watch. All right, Jamie, bold prediction number two. This show will think it's less bold than the population as a whole. Uh, T.Y. Hilton finishes as a top six wide receiver. Love this. Oh, the T.Y. dance. T.Y. Give me all the shares of that one. I I love that one. I love it and I see it. I like he it. wasn't that far away, and it hasn't been that far away since his top 10 production. He's got to stay healthy, obviously. If he's going to finish top six, he's going to have to play at least 15 of the 16 games to get there. Uh, but I, I think Philip Rivers is going to lean on him heavily. Uh, I, I really are excited to see what he, what he can do when he's been healthy. I was a number nine receiver in total points in 2014, wide receiver five in 2016. People have forgotten. I mean, it's been a little bit. It's kind of been like an every other year thing because of some of the injuries lately. But I also saw this, this narrative going around on Twitter that a lot of the Colts uh, beat writers were, try, were dispelling immediately that T.Y. Hilton's injury prone. He, he is not 
injury prone. He got hurt last year. Look, look at, go look at the and played through you can it. Easily Google his and go into football reference and see how many games he's played. He's not injury prone. He dealt with stuff last year and tried to play through it, and it got himself even more hurt. Uh, I'm really excited to see. We talked about offensive line continuity. Tough talk about more a con, more continuitous. Is that a word? I made it up. It's going to be now. Uh, a line with more continuity and more skill at the same time than what Indianapolis has right now. Uh, so it's going to be very fascinating. I think a well-protected Philip Rivers is going to make up for a lot of what he what Philip Rivers can't do anymore, which is being panicked and throwing interceptions. He's not going to be as panicked anymore. He's going from one of the – we talked about this, every, I feel like, every show. One of the five worst offensive lines in the league to one of the five best. And I think that's going to make all the difference. And T.Y. Hilton is going to be a player that massively benefits from it. Love. Elite route runner with phenomenal hands with a ton of speed still that the quarterback's going to have plenty of time to throw to and they're going to play action off of. I, I absolutely love it. Love that one. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great one. And if you haven't seen the pictures of Phillip Rivers in his new uniform, usually when you see, okay, when you see a guy in a uniform for 15 years, right, and then you see him in a new uniform, you're like, man, that looks, oh, it just feels wrong. That's not how it felt. I saw him yeah. in that damn Colts uniform and I was like, Man, that, that looks real good. Like, I, I don't know. Makes I was, me want to say shucks and gosh darn. Yeah, I was like, man, he maybe, good. maybe it's because he kind of looks like Peyton in, underneath there. I was like, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I was like, it, 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 didn't, it didn't throw me off. And I was prepared to be like, man, this is gross. Like, you've been, you're a charger. Like, that's where you're supposed to be. But I was like, no, I, all right, I'll dial that in. So I had to bring that up because we talked about our guy, T.Y. So I, since all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing that and I'm going – Okay. All right. I'm, I'm dialed in Colts. What's your bold prediction? Number two here, Jake. Aaron Jones finishes as a top three overall running back. Ooh, I love this one. Love that. I love this one. Love if the, I'm, I'm if super the, high on if Jones. the Packers, listen, it's bad for me as a Bears fan because when the Packers run the football, it puts them, especially through Aaron Jones, you've seen, you could see games where he's taken over and they, and then they would dial into that and they'd let him do his thing. And then you'd see times where they'd start backing off and Aaron Rodgers would be like, no, nah, I want the ball. And it, it wasn't good for them. So if they actually do what they need to do, which is best for the team. That's what that can happen. Whether or Jamie, not how much happens. did you love seeing him catch the ball at the end of the last year? Though oh, my biggest thing with him for the yeah. last couple of years is Williams took a lot of third downs from him because he's such a good pass blocker. Jones becomes such a pass catching, catching weapon, pass catching weapon, and now Geronimo Allison's opted out. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just, mean, I, it's. I think he's the focal point of everything they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I think about Funches. Allison's now in Detroit, but um, it, who else? Yeah, so Funches opted out too. They're both of them Funches, opted out. Yeah, Funches yeah. Funches and yeah, Allison both opted out. So we'll never get to see the, the biggest, the best pass catching weapon. Two of the non weapons that are supposed to be weapons are, are gone anyway. Uh, Red the Reggie Bagleton hype. I can't wait for the CFL guy. Uh, no, uh, but no, I agree with you completely because this offense at this point is it's always going to run through Aaron Rodgers as long as Aaron Rodgers is wearing green, but. The secondary player it's going to run through is Aaron Jones because they're going to run the ball extremely frequently. I know there was the one knock on him from the outside was that he, he got a lot of his receiving fantasy points while Devontae Adams was out, which was true. But I think he's going to still be used in that category a lot. Not, not to 100 receiving yards a game like he was when Adams was out, but he's still going to be using that category a lot. Uh, I think Jamal Williams is going to be phased out a little bit more and more as on, on an expiring contract. Maybe A.J. Dillon gets some touches inside the five, but I don't really think that he's going to play a major role there in that spot. Maybe, again, maybe Vultures a few touchdowns, but you're going to expect some touchdown regression anyway. Aaron Jones doesn't get 19 touchdowns again. I feel pretty confident in saying that. 
So, I mean, you're gonna reg- that's going to regress down a little bit anyway, but I don't think it's going to regress below the teens. He's still going to be used a lot in all situations. He's still the second-best pass-catching threat that they have. Um, and, I mean, you can argue they have less proven options now than they did last year with, not even, with Jimmy Graham not even there anymore. So now you have question marks that it's Mercedes Lewis and Jay Sternberger at tight end. I mean, I, I just think this offense is going to feature Aaron Jones a lot, and they're going to still be a, a solid offense. They're probably going to have to throw a lot, and they're probably going to throw a lot. And Aaron Jones is going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of that work. So I, I love this as well. I think he's being – I think everybody is so worried about what the potential downside could be with touchdown regression. They're forgetting what he did last year and forgetting what the potential upside is. So he's one of those interesting guys because there are certain fantasy players – and I'm off on a tangent now – but there's certain fantasy players where everybody always focuses on the downside and certain fantasy players where they only focus on the upside. And they're like, we missed this middle ground on some guys. Um, and, and so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because I'm seeing him go higher in expert league drafts than he's going in public drafts. And that's something to kind of keep an eye on as we go forward. And we'll break that down as we get closer to the season where there's some discrepancy there, because I do think not that they're perfect, but there's something to be learned from players that are putting thousands of dollars on the line to play these yeah. leagues and what they are thinking and what their mindset is. It's always fascinating to see how that kind of differs from even my rankings, your rankings, or the, the general public ADP. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely something to pay attention to. I really, I really like that one. It feels weird because I, 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 I love Jones. I don't know how much you've been able to watch him, but the kid, he's like the most likable person. I'm like, could you, could you go play somewhere else, man? Like I just, it drives me insane that he plays. Through I mean, I Packers. had one specific reason why I didn't have him ranked any higher the last couple of years. And he blew that out of the water yep. last year with all that pass catching ability. And then he started pass blocking a little better. And now he's like yeah. a true three down guy. I was like, all right, I, I like this one. Yeah, way more involved in that offense last year with the new offense under Matt LaFleur that we that we saw last season. Jamie, bold prediction number three. So I'm going to go back to the Colts here. Um, Jack Doyle mm-hmm. outscores Hunter Henry. Woo! Okay. Ooh, I like ah. going deep in the archives for that but, one. B- between Hunter Henry's injury history, but, I, but here's this, which is obviously a factor. Here's another interesting nugget I found. Uh, Rivers' number one tight end has finished in the top 13 fantasy tight ends on a per game basis in six of the last seven years. Jack Doyle never, ever leaves the field. I, I I think he is going to be the the check down guy. There are going to be some game. Now there might not be a lot of big yard games. There might be a lot of like seven catches for 47 yards and a touchdown type of thing. Uh, I'll take it. Doyle stays relatively healthy for the most part. I know he had that one little injury uh, a little bit ago, but he's healthy. He never comes off the field. He does everything they need to do in that offense. And even though he stays in the block a lot, they don't take him off the field. So they're going to sneak him out. They're going to do certain things. Rivers always, whether it was Antonio Gates, whether it was Hunter Henry, whatever it was, he always, Virgil Green even for a brief, brief period of time, yeah. like he's always going to look for that tight end. And I think that's going to be, I just really like how this Colts offense is setting up. Like I, I look at, I look at what Michael Pittman Jr. can do, and I look at what T.Y. Hilton can do, and Jack Doyle at tight end, and the, and the combination of Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, and Naeem Hines. And I look at what those really successful Chargers offenses did, and a lot of those same pieces are there. Like, a lot of those same pieces are there. And they yeah, never had was like, offensive and- line. Yeah, that's the that's the big part of our love for this offense, I think, it, as a whole, is that we look at, okay, we – we know Rivers had a bad year last year, but the, the upgrade to the offensive line cannot be understated. And I know it was when we initially looked at the weapons pre-draft, it was like, okay, he definitely had better weapons at the Chargers. You know, let's see how – but then they drafted a couple of really, really good pieces. And now you're looking at that offense as a whole and you're going, 
man, okay, all the, that, that running back room, that wide receiver room, plus the offensive line, and you're like, okay, this is a really, really good football team. And I think, man, I think Phillip Rivers, I'm excited to watch Jack, that. Jack Doyle's like the North Dakota Mountain Union of George Kittle. <laughs> he ain't the Iowa Division I version. He ain't the run after the catch, but he'll truck you. He catches everything, runs a great route, smart as hell, and never comes off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's no, not I've, again, he is not as raw talented as a pass catcher as Hunter Henry, but he no. just is gonna be on the field. He's reliable. And he's by the way, he's, he's had success in this role before. It's not like he's just all of a sudden just, we're just expecting to do something. Doesn't really have competition for for I mean, this will be the eighteenth year in a row. Somebody tells me Mo Ali Cox is gonna be a thing. Yeah. But I mean, just it's like he's gonna be the guy. And, and I just I and I and again we talk about closer to the draft how michael pittman jr might be the most nfl ready for lack of a better phrase of of the receivers he doesn't have the upside of the jerry judy's or the henry ruggs or any of those guys he doesn't have that upside but he's got a very high floor and he can be that possession receiver he can be that mike williams ish type player for philip rivers it's just that that and and well by the way philip rivers and and, and frank reich are are familiar with each other from yeah, their time that, in la yes. so there's that, that that quells some of my concerns about new quarterback on a new team with this abridged offseason is that the structure of the team is very similar to one Philip Rivers has been uh, working with before. And there's a lot of continuity with the coach. And I think I just, all that together may, mitigates some of the concerns about having an abridged off season with a new team. It's also just, you can't, can't be understated veteran quarterbacks, like just a different level of trust when you've been doing it that long. Like, it's just, it's you're, I'm not worried about him coming in and not being prepared. Like it's, it's just a chip ch- on the shoulder. Yep, it's been, uh, that chip on the shoulder is there. And that's, yep. a, that's the undercurrent that we've talked about since, pretty much since the Super Bowl of what does Tom Brady somewhere else look like? Where does Philip Rivers somewhere else look like? We know what Cam Newton somewhere else looks like. It's a lot of Instagram videos, but it's like, <laughs> where does that chip on the shoulder? For, but particularly for Brady and Rivers who haven't played anywhere else. And we, in and how that affects the other guys 04? that they're with, how that yeah. chip ends up on other shoulders. T Y Hilton. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, no, that's that's a really really good one. All right, Jake. I still think the Colts win the division. By the way, I'm I'm still I agree. I'm still fully on the Indianapolis oh, yeah. bandwagon. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm bold, pre- bold prediction number three, Jake. The Baltimore Ravens miss the playoffs. Woo! Woo! Wow! Woo! Damn! Old take okay. me hot, take me hit me later. I think the Steelers win the division. Ben wins comeback player of the year. I think the Browns get in, and that means you're only telling me there's one AFC West team that gets in. I don't think so. I think two from the AFC West are getting in, and I think uh, I think they step back. And I'm gonna I'm not taking that they're the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna say they're gonna miss the playoffs. That would be Oof. if you are right about that, man. I gotta make sure I remember this state this. to come back because you will. This clip will go viral because there is that is that is a bold take. That's exactly what we're looking for a bold prediction. But we're higher on the Steelers than everybody else is. If Cleveland gets their head out of their ass, maybe they could do something this year. They got super talented. This is not going to be the same division it was last year that, that the Ravens were able to take over and, and win. And, oh, by the way, I the whole Lamar thing, you got to do it again because I think you got to innovate again. You got to figure it out again because guess what? What do we see in the postseason? He looked great, but there's got to there's be another evolution. They got to keep it. At what point does John Harbaugh stop having tricks up his sleeve to start, you know, kind of keeping everything ahead? 
you can do it again. But I, I really, I, I, I'm like it's talking bold. myself into this one as I'm, as I'm walking along with you, Jake. And I know you got it's a bonus bold, one, Jamie. But the hype is the hype. The hype is not I necessarily rational. They're thin at linebacker. They're good in the secondary if they don't have any injuries. They don't really have a pass rush anymore. They don't have these monster defensive tackles anymore. That defense is not great. It's ranked really high because it's the Ravens. Steelers defense is much better on paper. Oh, significantly better. better. Technically last year, that offense has a lack of weapons. It does. Lamar, I don't think this is going to be anything on Lamar. I think Lamar is going to play phenomenal, but I think he's going to be playing like Russell Wilson. He's going to have to play at a level that's just too high. Their division's really good. It's a bold take. Why not? Yeah, uh, I, I won't it. go quite that, that bold, but I do think uh, this division is very much up for grabs. And we talked about it on our, uh, on our wins prediction show. I don't think there's a, maybe a one-game difference between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, uh, I have them both making the playoffs, but uh, especially now that you have three AFC wildcard teams. But uh, it, to me, it's, I, think it, I, I think people think there's a much bigger gap between those top two teams than there is. I think it's actually razor thin, assuming you know, Roethlisberger doesn't have any weird setbacks between now and the start of the season, which so, so far everything he says has been, has been great. Uh, Pittsburgh's it, it's funny because I think people are, are having trouble kind of combining what Pittsburgh's offense looked like two years ago with what their defense looked like last year and trying to put them together for what this team actually is this season and putting that sort of offense for Ben Roethlisberger with a defense that played at the level that they did last year is a scary proposition and I think the Steelers are Super Bowl contenders not just AFC North contenders they are Super Bowl contenders now that job gets a lot easier if you win the division versus you have to go play three road games and, and everybody understands that but, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the Chiefs get the number one seed, um, which is going to be the only buy. So everybody else is going to have to play on, on wild card weekend. But uh, I think it's close. But I, I, think, I think the Ravens make the playoffs, but I do not think they're a lock for the division. They, they, they beat my pick right now. I picked them to win. I picked them to have one more win than Pittsburgh. So I'm, I'm not going back on that. But I think it's going to be a very close race there at the top. And I think a lot of places, even in Vegas, don't actually think it's going to be that close. All right. All right, Jamie, last, last bold prediction. I love when Vegas is wrong. That makes me even happier. Yeah, I believe – I'll look at it, but I believe you can get Steelers to win the division at like two and a half to one, I believe. I'll have to, I'll have to double oh, check on that, but something around that. Uh, my last one, my bonus one, which is, again, again the theme I've been talking about all offseason with the Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield finishes outside the top 25 fantasy quarterbacks. And I want to preface this by saying this is not about Baker. This is about volume. And I know that it's tough to kind of differentiate that because everybody's been killing me for my Baker Mayfield ranks. This is about volume. If Kevin Stefanski runs the offense that he ran in Minnesota, it's going to be predicated on Nick Chubb getting the ball constantly and Kareem Hunt filling in, being a pass-catching option. They will throw when they need to. They will take some shots when they need to off play action, which they did a lot in Minnesota. And that's going to benefit guys like Odo Beckham with the, on, on some deep balls. But I think there's a real chance that Baker Mayfield, even in a full season, doesn't throw 500 passes. And if he doesn't throw 500 passes, he's not going to be a player that you're going to start in single quarterback leagues most weeks. And that is the crux of this thing. Is that, and I'll go back to the stat I talked about before. You know, when Stefanski took over uh, for John DeFilippo, for its, Kirk Cousins was throwing 40.3 pass attempts per game. That dropped down to 29.2. Baker Mayfield's been throwing around 33, 34 pass attempts per game. If that drops to that 29, 30 range, it's going to be under 500 for the season. It's going to affect his overall output. If I am wrong about how much they throw, then obviously this is going to be way off. But I'm telling you, if they, if they run a similar team, which again, you look at this Browns team and what they want to do, they have all of the pieces to do what Minnesota does, if not better than Minnesota does it. I don't see a reason why they're going to put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands more than they need to when they've got two elite running backs to use. And I think getting quarterback pressure, 
sacking the quarterback, turning the ball over with that secondary, running the football effectively is the key to the Browns this season. And I think the Browns are going to have a good season because of this. And they can use Baker Mayfield as a talented complimentary piece to go, he's not a game manager. So we're asking him to do that until we need to really break him out. And then he can win us some games. And I think that is going to be an exciting brand of Browns football. I think that's going to lead to them having a winning record this year. But I also think that's going to lead to some fantasy disappointment for the pass catchers and the quarterback. You're making my Baltimore argument for me. Uh, I, I expect them to be really good. And if they play that brand of football, they're going to win 10 games plus. They're yeah. making the playoffs. Uh, I, I love that. And I think it, it's – Kirk Cousins is extremely underrated because he doesn't throw it 50 times a game. It was an MVP stretch last year for six weeks. We talked about a bunch. I can see Baker doing that same thing, throwing it 28 times a game with a bunch of play actions and playing really good in the red zone, but it's not necessarily a huge fantasy year. People, people equate the fantasy rankings with you being down on the Browns, like as if it's going to equate to them not being a very good football team when actually it's the exact opposite. You're looking at this and you're going for the Browns to be the best version they can be to win the most amount of football games possible. This is the recipe. So do this, which will equal Baker Mayfield not being up here on fantasy level, but it will equal more wins. Pretty sure Browns fans, you'll be happier with that at the end of the day. And that makes a ton more sense. Look at the efficiency that Kirk Cousins played with for the large part of last season. Different offense, but look at the efficiency that Ryan Tannehill played with for the, when he was the starter. That is the blueprint, closer to Kirk Cousins, obviously, because of who was calling plays for him in Minnesota. He's now the head coach in, in Cleveland. But that is the blueprint, what I think, for what the Browns need to do, want to do, and how they can be successful and how they differentiate themselves this year from years prior. They have the personnel to do this. And again, they also have the personnel to, if they need to go into panic mode in late in the game, they have plenty of talented players to do that. I, but I don't think they're going to be, this is a team that's throwing, you know, 10 times, 10, 12 times in the first quarter, just because we got to get that ball out. Like, I think this is going to be a team that wants to control the ball and is going to be able to, when they have two running backs that are ripping off big runs or short passes for them. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can do, but this is a case where I think the philosophy of the team is going to be better for the team, but worse for fantasy players. I think Stefanski has the backbone and the backing of upper management ownership to own that style of play and not give in to locker room and private meetings with receivers and all that kind of crap. Uh, and I think you learned enough from Mike Zimmer on you can win a lot of damn games playing. Look, this defense is going to be good guys. Yeah. We, we talk about the meat and potatoes with the left tackle, the right tackle. They had like three good safeties in the off season. They've got solid corners. I mean, you want another bold take I'll throw one out. Miles Garrett leads the league in sacks and maybe okay. breaks the sack record. Love that. Play 16 games. I, I think he's going to be, if he plays the whole it. season, I think he's pushing the sack record. I mean, his defense is going to be solid. Um, it, and I think Stefanski can handle all of that because there's a lot of egos going on, but they, a lot of them got put in check last year. And he's a lot safer than a head coach has been in Cleveland for a while now. They, they're still paying like three dudes. I mean, I yeah. think he's got the management and the upper, upper management backing to say, okay, this is how we want to play and this is what we're going to do. All right, guys, let's finish quickly here with a couple of guys that you like for ADP value. Jamie, I'll let you go first. Just uh, give us your, your three guys that you got on this list. Well, the first one was a name we've already talked about, and it's tough to say because he's so high up, but Aaron Jones um, going number 15 overall. I take him at number six, uh, five spots ahead of uh, – he's my RB5. He's going at RB10. Uh, it's tough to find a value that high in the draft, but as for all the reasons we already discussed, he's that for me. Uh, Matt Breda is extremely interesting to me in Miami. Uh, right now he is going outside the top 40 running backs and outside the top 100 overall. Uh, he's my RB30. Um, you know, last season it was very interesting because people were scrambling to the waiver wire to pick up 
Patrick Laird late in the season in that pass catching role when they literally had, you know, Kenyon Drake was already traded. They didn't really have any pieces there. Kalen Balage was, I believe he was hurt when he wasn't running for negative three yards a carry. Uh, and it was just, and he was a, I believe a top, as I look at, I think it was like top 38, but definitely a top 40 fantasy running back down the stretch last year over the final month of the season. And he's not 50% as talented as Matt Breda. Uh, as speed. He's going to be on the field a lot for third downs. He's going to be the pass catching back. That is a role that has value in Miami. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. Who's going again at an incredible value right now. I would be cool with him in a flex play. And my last one is going to be another pass catching running back. And it's the other D Johnson in Houston. That's Duke Johnson. He's not going away. Uh, I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities here. Uh, he's now going outside of the top 50 running backs. I take him at RB 40. Uh, he's the true pass catching back there. He doesn't have the same injury history as the guy in front of him on the depth chart. I think both guys are going to be on the field uh, a lot in Houston because why not? Uh, and I, so I think he's going to be someone that you can kind of take and you stash on your bench. And by midseason, he's that, you know, that perfect bye week fill in flex guy for you that, you know, you can trust to get you, you know, seven, eight points at minimum. And if he spikes and gets in the end zone, he could be a 15, 16, 17 point guy. Uh, someone to kind of keep an eye on, especially right now his, his current ADP is 145 overall. So he's definitely somebody I, I would keep an eye on. I would love to have on my bench because I think he's going to be that perfect guy once bye weeks come around that you're going to want to be able to throw in that flex spot. And everyone's going to be trying to be scrambling for that guy on the waiver wire and you're going to already have him. Jamie, the guy you brought up that I've been doing some mocks and I keep getting Aaron Jones at a place that I keep going, yup, yup. Like I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, maybe I'm just higher on him than everybody else. But now hearing both of you, it's just, as far as value goes, it feels like that's going to, like I probably did seven to 10 mock drafts and he was on, I think eight of the 10 rosters, like I, because of the place that I was getting him. So I feel really good about that one. Jake, who do you have on, on your list? Three guys. I love the Aaron Jones one. I almost put that on there. I went with Nick Chubb instead. I didn't look at the ADPs. I went with same thing, like mock draft stuff that I was doing and where I was getting them. And while I agree with Jamie's bold take, I think Nick Chubb could have a sneaky, decent year having some big games catching the ball on screen passes. They're going to want to go, okay, we're going to run it. Let's run a little misdirection. Let's slip Chubb out. He's had a lot of success doing that in the past. Uh, I don't know where his ADP is, but I was getting him, you know, mid-second round. Yep. a lot of drafts, which means you're getting a guy like Aaron Jones first and then maybe getting a Nick Chubb with that. Uh, my second one, Ronald Jones. I don't think he's getting anywhere near the credit. Did, you, did anybody watch the film last year when he was in? He split time, truly. He's matured. He's really worked this offseason on his pass-catching ability. Same thing. They're going to want to be able to not let you know what they're in by personnel. I think he catches the ball a bunch. And then the last one's Raheem Mostert. They got the contract stuff done. I think he really phases out Tevin Coleman, who the coaching staff likes, but I think it's really more 70-30 than it was, has been 30-30-30, and then whoever's hurt gets, you know, whatever's left in San Francisco. They were better with him on the field last year. Jamie and I talked about it a lot down the stretch. He had the big playoff run. He's explosive as hell on screen passes. Doesn't catch it great when they split him out, but the screen pass stuff because of the speed is phenomenal. And they're going to need somebody to kind of change things up. And as Jamie said, nobody schemes it up better than Kyle. Uh, so I like those. It's more three guys I'd love to have on my teams uh, than it is value of ADP. But you guys know how I draft. It's all about value. So There's a, one other guy I want to bring up. And, and I don't have him on this list because I'm not sure what to do with him. But I, he's falling so far now that I'm kind of intrigued, even though I don't think he's going to be somebody you're going to play in the fantasy playoffs. But that's Marlon Mack. 
because I think you might get some early season value from them because I don't think they're going to just – they're not immediately handing 15, 16, 17 carries a game to Jonathan Taylor out of the gates. But right now, Marlon Mack is going as the, the RB40 outside the top 100 right now. I think the hate's gone a little too far here. Uh, to me, what I would really like to see, and you'll see this because on Friday, or excuse me, next Friday, this Friday, Jake's got his uh, mock draft going up for standard formats. The following week, I'm going to, I did that three round mock a couple weeks ago. I'm following that up with rounds four through six. You're going to see something like if you pair him, let's say with Jonathan Taylor would be great. Maybe you pair him with a DeAndre Swift. Maybe you put yourself in that scenario, where, you know, I'm going to get something from Marlon Mack early in the season. I know I'm probably going to have to put him on my bench or on the waiver wire by week eight, nine, 10. But that gives just enough time for one of those rookie backs, one of those young backs you're kind of waiting to see how they crop up to kind of get their feet under them, knowing you may not want to start DeAndre Swift in weeks one, two, and three, but in weeks 12, 13, 14, you probably will because I think he's going to be the full-time starter by then. That's a good kind of interesting kind of play there where if you're taking a lot of high upside guys, maybe a lot of rookies, maybe you take a Marlon Mack at his value outside there. I think his ADP right now is 103.5 uh, oh, as yeah. the 40th running back off the board. It's, I think he's going to be phased out because I don't think he's going to be there next year, but he's not going to be phased out immediately. And so that's somebody you might be able to get some value from early in the season and then kind of move on later. But all those points count. you got to win those games early in the season too. It's not just about winning the games in November and December. So just somebody that I'm kind of watching as, as he's falling down the boards going, you know what? Even if you only get three or four weeks where you put him in a flex spot, at that, that value, that's absolutely yeah. worth it. Yeah. I like that one. Those are the, the best thing about this is you're coming off of like, Jamie, you're looking at the list and, and Jake and I are going, Hey, I'm doing the mock drafts. And I can tell you some of these ones where I am getting them routinely. Like I, I swear, I'm going to go pull some of the mocks I have saved. I, I think Aaron Jones was on my roster literally eight of the 10 times. Like it was, and it was always in a place where I was like, man, this is easy. Like I, like I, like I know that this is, is a good spot. So I love the, love the guys you guys came up with. The bold predictions were really fun. Um, I'm excited to revisit those uh, when we get even to the halfway point of the season, man. Cause I was talking, I was talking smack to you guys by that point. Cause the Rams were, the Rams were trading and being morons. And I was like, well, if you guys would have just listened to me, you wouldn't have given up all those first round picks for Jalen Ramsey and finished, uh, finish out of the, po- out of the postseason, But it's uh, it's it's one of those ones. These are fun, and and we get we get tons of feedback. So we'd love to hear from you guys. I'm gonna post in the premium Slack. I got some fantasy football related bold predictions. I want to see those again, but I also want to see just general bold football predictions. So I'm gonna go drop this episode in the in the premium Slack and and get the get the hot take machine fired up for the day. I know we got we got a lot of good fantasy takes. Um, I might even read a couple of them on uh, on our next show just because they were they were pretty fun to get into. Final thoughts here, guys, on today's podcast. Jamie, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'll use my my remaining time here to shill a little bit. But uh, for TDN Premium, I've updated the Eisner board to include uh, updated rankings, updated projections, particularly for the Kansas City running backs. You kind of want to see. You already know where I have Edward Swiller ranked, but if you want to see my exact projection for him, for uh, DeAndre Washington, for Darwin Thompson. Uh, you'll be able to check that out. Uh, made some movements around there. Uh, added a couple tight ends. You know, so move some things around there. So it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, where those guys fit in if you haven't already taken a look. But uh, TDN Premiums, how you can access that information. It's how you access the the expert forum and chat that we've been talking about, where we've been putting it in. It's a, it's a Slack channel for TDN Premium members. We have one 
inside that Slack channel, we have a channel for this podcast. We have a channel for fantasy football discussion, mock draft discussion. There's going to be some really cool things that happen there. So you definitely want to get signed up for that because we are going to do a TDN Fantasy Football League this year. And you're going to have to be uh, inside of that premium channel for, to participate. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, there's a lot of other very interesting things coming down the pike for you. If you're an NFL fan by, on any level, uh, there are going to be some interesting guides and some really good information that you're going to want to have. So do sign up for TDN Premium. Uh, and, and for fantasy, uh, for you fantasy listeners, you're going to have some access to early information from me during the season, early waiver wire, early top 10 rankings across the board for the week in advance. You're going to have this information before uh, a f- at least if 24, if not more hours before we release it to everybody else uh, on the draftnetwork.com. So there's some really good features to have on there. Uh, aside, you know, using be able to trade the mock draft machine, all that fun stuff, prospect ranking. So there's all, all that great stuff. So uh, I will, I will shill for that a little bit here because there's a lot of information you can use heading into your drafts and there's going to have access to some early information uh, during the week. So if you have early waiver wires or you just kind of want to start your research on certain players before the rest of your league, fine, you know, cause all these waiver wire articles, including ours are going to come out on Tuesdays. But if you want that information a day in advance or maybe even Sunday night, uh, so you can start your research and start adding players and start putting players on your watch list. You're going to be able to do that as a TDN premium member. Yep, it's it's a good time. We've got so much coming down the line. Um, the the scouting staff is working on this project that I am through the roof for NFL fans to get their hands on. And Jamie is editing all of it. So God bless you, Jamie, because there is so much information in there. But it's a testament to how how much work the scouting staff is doing to get us to that to that point. Because there's a lot of exciting stuff coming down the line. Uh, Jake, your final thoughts on today's pod. Do your mock drafts, pay attention, put your ego and your heart and your fandom aside and look at the value and the risk proposition. This is extremely deep at receiver and it's pretty thin at running back. That's got to factor into where you're at. Do you want to take the risk the first time in the third round or you want to wait on that? But if you do enough mocks, as we were just talking about, there's a bunch of guys that show up routinely late and you're going, wait a minute, is that really going to happen? Do your homework. Yeah, and on that note, just because it reminded me, I'll shill again here slightly. Next week uh, on the Draft Network, so it'll be the week of, what is it, add seven to this. So the week of the 10th, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, there will be a couple different articles going up from me on the draftnetwork.com, free, free for everybody, on strategies if you're drafting with the number one overall pick or the number mm. 12 overall pick. So the first or last pick in your draft and what you need to do and what you need to pay attention for and scenarios you need to think about and keys to essentially winning your draft from those slots. I know if you listened to our show last week, Paige talked about how she kind of got saddled with the first overall pick in our TDN league last year and how she hates drafting number one overall. Uh, I know a lot of people feel that way. Uh, so there's going to be some strategy guides there on, on basically three things you need to keep in mind and be aware of and scenarios that you need to, need to think about uh, with actual examples of scenarios that are happening relative to ADP right now uh, for those picks if you're picking at the polls. Um, so keep an eye out for those as well because those will be very helpful too as you're doing your mock drafts. And my other suggestion to Jake's point, do your mock drafts from different draft slots. And I mean, I mean every time do a different draft slot. Yes, each draft's going to be a little bit different just because the different people are going to be around you. But you need to see what scenarios start to play out because you will, if you do enough of them, start to see scenarios of, if I'm picking first or second, here's what's happening. If I'm picking 11th or 12th, here's what's happening. If I'm picking in the middle, here's what's happening. Uh, and you can kind of make these decisions and understand where you need to pivot in advance so you're not waiting to, oh, no, I have 60-second window here to figure out what's going on. You need to be able to think about all these scenarios in advance. 
Yeah, no, I, I can't, I love doing the mocks. They're super fun. Uh, especially every time I do one, I pick a different slot because either you never know where you're going to end up. And, um, I look forward to seeing what the strategy is for drafting number one overall, Jamie, because I is my least favorite position to draft. I hate being number one overall. It's the worst. 14 worked out pretty good. I did not like it when I got the, the position last year. It's the but best. It's, it's kind of nice it. to go towards the end. Jamie snake. and I sat at the Fantasy Football snake. World Championships in a really, really mm-hmm. high-end league and watched a draft. When people night. are paying yeah, money for the draft slot. Like, that's the fun thing. When people were paying yeah, like they hundreds of dollars. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And we both went five and seven is kind of a sweet spot. Like, it's you got to wait. You don't ever get those back-to-back picks kind of things, but we both were like, that works out pretty good if you're sitting in that in that spot. But yeah, one one's tough. No, it's it's tough. There's a lot of, Especially lot of when pressure. Saquon gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad about the pick. I love Saquon. There's just you got to live it with happens. those things. It it happens each and every year. But if you're a person in the past that got like a, I know people took Le'Veon Bell like two or three, and then he ended up sitting out that whole season. Like I will you say have something this like that year, happen, it's disaster. This year, one and two is not as bad because it's I, – I, and I, I, when I do my mock this week, I'm going to write some of this stuff in there. Running back, you got to go heavy early because yeah. you're going to get killed late. So if you're going one, two, and you go running back and then, you know, 13, 14, you got to wait till the end, you, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's not as bad, but by the time you get to 25, there's no really good running backs left. Like, it's going to be – it's still better to be 12, 13 than it is one in, you know, 25. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to do. It's fun. To, and, and I play on the, the fantasy pros version of it. It's, it's a, uh, it's a fun thing to do Fantastic. to, to, to prepare for the, uh, to prepare for the upcoming fantasy football drafts. All right, guys, tell everybody how they can follow you on social media. Jake first. Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, today, you can see behind me for they're going to video clip this. I got some Panini trading cards that they shipped in overnighted to me. I got some elite NFL stuff. I'm going to go through the packs. I'm going to see, I'm going to see what goods I got from Panini. So I'm, I'm excited to do that on Instagram later on and be sure to become a premium member, go to the draftnetwork.com. You can click the be the expert in the top right corner. That's how you will be prompted to become a TDN premium member. So you can see all the great stuff that we've all been working on, but especially Jamie. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.